Sox Weekly, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. Get the fireworks ready. White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. So welcome into White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight, and we've got you for the next two hours here on WLS AM Here's what we've got planned. A lot of news for the White Sox over the last 24, well, really the last 12 hours or so. We're going to get into the injury to Carlos Rodon and the fact that it will sideline him for the rest of the year. We'll get you the latest from White Sox manager Ricky Renteria and find out how the Sox are going to fill that spot in the rotation. We will hear from uh, one of the men who has stepped up into the White Sox rotation, Lucas Giolito. He pitched last night, might have gotten squeezed a bit, fought through a couple of things. I had a sit-down with Lucas before last night's start. You'll hear from him there. We will also chat with uh, one of the White Sox top prospects, Michael Kopech. That's a little later on in the show, too. All that, plus we're going to talk with Scott Merkin of MLB.com and get the latest on the club from his perspective, a guy who covers it every day. So we have a whole whole lot to do here on our I think it's our third to last White Sox weekly during the regular season a Saturday afternoon game I suppose Saturday evening game against the San Francisco Giants coming up James Shields and Jeff Samarja are our starters tonight our pregame show is going to start in exactly two hours 535 we'll get that revved up and rolling Ed and DJ will have the first pitch at 610 between old former familiar foe Jeff Samarja, former White Sox, of course, and then James Shields is going to get the ball here too. And and just if I can, I, I had, I'm pretty surprised James is going to make this start. First and foremost, the sound that the comebacker off of his knee made in his last start, it uh, ended his afternoon, the sound was horrifying. And I, I really thought it got him a lot worse than it did. Luckily, the, the knee was flexed, and it sounds like an inch or two the other way, and perhaps he wasn't going to make that next start. He is uh, he's a much tougher guy than I am for sure, and is going to be uh, making his start tonight. So that's first and foremost. Secondly, and we'll do this too because I think it's going to be a topic of conversation all throughout the show, Carlos Rodon is done for the season. The White Sox noticed, uh, Carlos noticed some stiffness in his left shoulder, Leading into his last start while he was playing catch, they scratched him. Mike Pelfrey stepped up and into the rotation, or into that night's start, I should say. Had to wear it a little bit, but by and large, when you've got five, six minutes to prepare for a start against one of the best teams in baseball, the Cleveland Indians, as Mike Pelfrey did, it's hard to imagine things going much better. Uh, Pelfrey was able to throw about 80 pitches, get four innings, and really save a lot of the bullpen Sure, it wasn't glamorous or anything, but sometimes in a season, you've got to ask guys to do that job. So the news is that Carlos is done for the year, and we'll hear from Carlos. He spoke last night to White Sox beat reporters in the clubhouse, and I, I want to play that for you, and you'll hear from Carlos about where his shoulder's at. But for the year, 12 starts for Carlos Rodon. He threw 69 and a third innings in total. Had a couple of weird starts. Somewhere he was hit up a little bit. Somewhere the strikeouts were massive. Somewhere both happened. You'll remember that four-inning start against the Cubs where he, of the 12 outs he recorded, 11 were by strikeout. He gave up 12 home runs. Home runs are up across the league. 31 walks in about 70 innings. His strikeouts, though, were 76, and at times he looked completely dominant. At times he looked like he was trying to fight and find the slider some, and at times he looked like he was trying to find everything. 
So I think in those 12 starts from Carlos, you saw a little bit of everything. And given the way the season began for Carlos Rodon, given that it was such a prolonged, protracted stay on the disabled list to start the year for him with the uh, with the bursitis in his throwing arm as well, given the fact that he didn't get on the mound until June 28th, that was a start against the Yankees where he went five innings, did not allow an earned run, walked six and struck out two. That's that kind of up and down, back and forth afternoon that, that Carlos working some of the rust off kind of gave the White Sox over the first couple. But for what you saw, I don't know that it's necessary. This is the question that's been asked a lot, and, and it's been posed to Ricky too, Ricky Renneria, White Sox manager. Is it a lost season for Carlos? Is this a season of, you know, where, where setbacks are going to overshadow the progress that might have gotten made on the mound? And I don't know that that's necessarily going to be the case, but it is unfortunate. There's no doubt about it, and it's got to be somewhat disappointing for Carlos, and I think you'll hear it too when we play the audio from last night. It is disappointing that he was only able to make 20, 12 starts. There's no doubt about it. I, he didn't register 70 innings. And if you talk to any starter around the league, that is that in and of itself, not being able to take the ball every five days, is going to be something that disappoints. However, I think some lessons were able to be learned. And I think for Carlos, you know, in as much as he's got to get healthy first, perhaps if this offseason can be uh, about finding out what it is that's going to keep him healthiest, if this offseason can be uh, about making sure that, you know, 2018 this next year is is a consistent one for him, then you have to take those little silver linings and run with them the best you can. Otherwise, this can become a lost season, if you catch the meaning. It's only lost if, I suppose if Carlos puts it away, and, and I don't think he's the kind of guy that will. It sounds like, you know, after getting over this and getting over, and I mean the health issues here, getting healthy, it sounds like he's going to be ready to get back and at it. He knows how big a part of the White Sox future he is. I think Ricky Renteria knows it. I believe the front office has mentioned it a time or two, and I think, you know, you can see it every time he goes out there with the stuff he's able to, uh, to flash and to, and to dominate with over the course of starts. So let's take a second here real quickly. This was uh, Carlos Rodon last night in the clubhouse after the White Sox fell to the Giants in the first game of three. 9-2 was the final score last night, but Carlos took a minute to talk to reporters uh, after they'd come into the clubhouse after the loss. Here is Carlos Rodon. Yeah, that MRI was kind of the same as the last one I took. Uh, the previous one I took, I can't remember when it was, at the end of the spring training. Um, so... And then just move on and try to get healthy. Did it stay there? Do they think? I mean, even though you pitch, you know, you pitch well and pitch through it, or is it just something that reoccurred? I don't, I can't tell you. I guess it just spurred up. I mean, um, things happen. Can't. I don't have an answer for you. Is it a concern that it's um, serious, or is it something that you think they can can get through again and start strong next year? Um, we'll see. Um, just still evaluating and. You know, I'll definitely be back to pitch next year, no doubt about that. But, um, like I said, just trying to get healthy and, and figure out the, the the problem. Obviously, this year hadn't gone how you wanted it to go. What what kind of positives can you take from, from when you were out there? Yeah, some good starts, had a good run. Um, it would have been nice to keep going, but, you know, they said, like I said, these things happen, and just got to get better. 
do you feel like there's something you have to maybe change in the off season, or is that something you worry about after you get all the treatment through? And yeah, something I'll figure out later. Uh, right now, I'm just trying to get to the bottom of it. Are you okay? I mean, obviously, you don't want to be out for the rest of the season. Oh, but yeah. Were you, were, did you agree, okay, yeah, I think this I is mean, the best decision? Yeah, for the future of the team and the future, you know, my future, I think, yeah, I think it's the best thing, best way to go about it. I mean, I mean it's tough news to take, but I mean, there's not much I can do about it. Yeah, it's Carlos Rodon, and, and those long-term decisions or those type of long-term decisions can't be easy for a player. I mean, You've seen guys, I don't know why, but Matt Harvey just kind of popped to mind. And this is, you know, Matt Harvey looking to get back on the mound after his Tommy John. And he just wanted to pitch three or four times at the end of the month for the Mets just to know that he could. Um, Not necessarily saying that, you know, that's an analogous situation. It's certainly a different injury, a different ball player, and heck, it's a different joint. But for... For, as far as understanding the mindset of, of how tough a long-term decision is to make like this, I think it's pretty obvious, you know, you'd want to get out there and have some kind of confidence at some point. So to be to be on the same page, to get to that same point where the organization, player, coaches, training, everybody's ready to make this same call, it's not easy. But it seems to be the best long-term decision to make. You heard Carlos, too, talk about the run he got on. He certainly was on one. Uh, This is from July 30th to August 21st, a span of five different starts for Carlos. He faced the Indians, Red Sox, Astros, Dodgers, and Twins in that order. Went 36 innings over those five starts. He allowed nine earned runs, so that's an ERA of two and a quarter. He allowed only five, uh, sorry, four home runs over those five starts. He walked only nine hitters over those 36 innings, and he struck out 37. So... There, there was a run in there where Carlos seemed to get real comfortable and settle right back into or right into the guy you'd want to see, the guy that uh, you kind of thought was in there for the next step this season. And I, you know, listen, I was telling everybody I could to, uh, to go grab Carlos in a fantasy draft, you know, to go look at Carlos as a guy who's going to make that next step. And I, you know, don't mean to make light of the situation, but given everything that, you know, I'd talked with, Carlos about and, and talked with the coach everything heading into this year it, it seemed as though this was going to be a real nice breakout type season for Carlos and it's unfortunate that injuries have set him back but I think you know in this season as I mentioned there are positives to take from it and lessons to be learned and assuming that he comes around healthy over this winter and is able to hit spring training with you know whatever kind of plan the White Sox put out there for him I think there is pretty obviously some talent and some ability that's going to be a part of the White Sox future in their rotation. Sox fans, you can join us as the White Sox take on the Kansas City Royals on Saturday, September 23rd at 6.10 p.m. The first 20,000 fans will receive an Orgullo, Orgullo, I think, two L's, I think it's the Y, Orgullo Sox soccer-style jersey in honor of Hispanic Heritage Month presented by Coca-Cola. And my apologies uh, to those who speak the language better than I do. I, I apologize for screwing up the word, uh, to purchase specially priced tickets. Visit whitesocks.com slash orgullo. That's O-R-G-U-L-L-O. When we come back, we will hear from Ricky Renteria. He just got done speaking with uh, reporters today. There is some news in it as far as the latest on Carlos Rodon and how the White Sox will uh, kind of merit out those starts or meet out the rest of the starts for the next three weeks of the season. 
So keep it right here. This is White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. If you've ever dreamed of being a White Sox player, well, now is your chance. You can attend the 2018 Chicago White Sox Fantasy Camp at Camelback Ranch Glendale, January 14th through the 20th, and you will be treated like a pro. For more information or to reserve your roster spot, call 623-302-5078. I'll give it to you again. 623-302-5078. Or you can head to the Internet and sign up at WhiteSox.com. That's an easy website to remember. You're probably there a lot, WhiteSox.com. We mentioned that there was uh, some news cracking around for Ricky Renteria's pregame at press conference today. Want to make sure you're up to date and that we're up to date here on the show uh, since we started while Ricky was, uh, well, we were on the air when Ricky was talking to reporters. So uh, without much further ado, Ricky began, I believe, talking a bit about the decision to shut Carlos down for the rest of the season and exactly how things are going to play out in the rotation from here on out. You'll remember the White Sox have added a couple of arms here. Chris Volstad is up. Mike Pelfrey made that start when Rodon was scratched. Carson Fulmer is going to make a start tomorrow. David Holmberg has had a start. So there are a bunch of arms that weren't necessarily in the rotation, per se, that could go into the rotation. The White Sox do only have one off day through the rest of the season. That's uh, Monday the 18th, so not two days from now, but the next Monday. And I mention that because not only is that a, it's a tough schedule to grind out for the rest of the year, but you know, injury-wise, thank goodness you've got expanded rosters here too. Uh, but it's not as though you can be, if you had perhaps three off days in a month, as, as is a little bit more usual, it's not as though you can be totally and completely creative with a rotation if you had an extra three guys. So uh, Renneria sits down with reporters today, and I believe things began talking a bit about the injury to Carlos Rodon. Really, really asked you yesterday, with Carlos going down, what do, you, what do you anticipate stepping in and filling some of that role? Well, it could be, uh, you know, we go back to Fulmer and Kobe and, and Palfrey possibly, so um, those are our three guys that we have in our mind right now as to who might possibly fill that, that role. Could you rotate those three into the two spots, we basically? Could. We, we could. I mean, it just depends on how we use them. During the week, uh, during a series, uh, and then obviously how much we can get them uh, extended. Holmberg? Home, I'm sorry. Is Holmberg in that mix too, you think? Or? Yeah, Holmberg. Okay. Is it tough though when you have someone like Carson that you started for the pen? Yeah. The start? Is it difficult for him to do all that transition? You know what? I think right now, at this point, it's probably more about uh, the work that he's going to be getting in. Uh, dealing with uh, the different scenarios that he would be put in actually might benefit him because a little bit of adversity, a little little tweak here or there uh, might put him in a better place to be able to handle many more things. So I don't think he's, he's thinking about it in those terms. Uh, I think he's more uh, likely to think about just being thankful to get the ball and, and whether it's starting or, or relieving and, and being here and, and trying to continue to get better. Uh, as he's pitching. This is one of the things you're talking about a lot lately because of the youth and everything is yeah. adversity and all everyone has to get over it. So, like, when you look at towards next year, yeah. they get all these experiences. Yes. It's uh, helpful for them because it kind of, uh, it's, it's like, I guess it's like a, a novelist or a writer. Uh, 
the best ones are always speaking most times of uh, through life experience. And the athletes, I think, are no different. And none of us are any different. I think uh, we are uh, much better off after we've lived certain things in our lives and uh, we've dealt with adversity and, and or experienced uh, both joy and pain uh, to become better people and, and better, in our, in, in our instance, uh, better athletes, better baseball players. Steve Shields maybe hasn't... You're saying he hasn't done what he's wanted. He's come over here. Yeah. This year, kind of battled the lat injury. Mm-hmm. Is there a, is there an ace still in that in that arm? Is there an ace still on that arm? Um, I think he's revented himself to the point where he's given us, I think, four or five of his last starts have been quality starts. So he's been able to at least put himself in a position where he's kept us in ball games. Uh, I know he's, for instance, coming over, he's wanted to do like anywhere he's been. He's wanted to do well. Uh, I think that by uh, making the adjustments as he has made, uh, he's made himself again uh, a major league pitcher that gives uh, their club an opportunity by containing the opponents to uh, a particular number of runs, a chance to win a ball game. And, uh, you know, he goes out there and gives you everything he's got. He wears it on his sleeve. He gives you all his heart and, and, you know, and soul when he's competing. And, and um, you know, I don't, I don't expect that that will change. I think that he will continue to go out there and do the best that he can to give us a chance to win ball games. When, when you've got a guy, when you've got a rotation that projects next year, yeah. younger, yeah. do you need a guy like that in there to kind of anchor things? Well, listen, uh, he's, a, he's a young man. Well, not as young, but he's a veteran who's uh, who's been around, who... Uh, we don't see him going anywhere in the near future. I mean, he's going to be a part of who we are uh, unless our plans change. But uh, right now, he's a part of the mix. What do you like about Adam Engel that you read him in the lineup every day? Well, uh, Adam can save you quite a few runs, uh, as everybody has noticed. He can run balls down that uh, most most other guys can't. Uh, he's obviously uh, a tremendously gifted uh, center fielder. Uh, the other aspect is we're, we're hoping, as he continues to work through uh, his offensive uh, situation in terms of trying to develop a, a cleaner swing path, uh, continuing to have at-bats, putting himself in a position where he's going to continue to learn, even through failure, if he's going to be able to improve or not. And uh, that experience, I think, is invaluable for him. I think if you can get a guy that can run balls down like he can and we can get him on, a, uh, on a pace to, to be able to defend himself at the plate, um, we might have a little something uh, special there. Is the swing path, does that help him become a better contact guy? Because the guy can run, so it really is just a case of making more. It seems like the well, I, I, think he's just, I think he's just trying to get comfortable with who he is as a hitter. Uh, obviously, a part of his game should still be bunting because uh, of his speed, um, but he's still been working through uh, some different sets, um, and it, it's, again, a work in progress. Hopefully, it continues to evolve to something positive, and uh, he's able to contribute on both ends of the baseball. Well, I think, uh, you know, it's obviously difficult because they're human beings and they, I'm sure that their families are on their mind. Uh, I, like most professionals, I think you, you, you have to compartmentalize as best you possibly can. Again, this is another experience that they're having right now while being in the big leagues where they're having, you know, to be uh, happy about being in a place that very few get to. They also understand their family members are in, in harm's way, and uh, so you've got to be able to kind of uh, come to grips with both. Um, the, the reality is when they get on the hill, I'm, I'm sure that they're focused on doing what they got to do, and, and once they come off the field, they, they focus.
focus on what's the most important, which is their families. And uh, so it's tough. I'm sure uh, you know everybody deals with it differently. Um, hopefully, our guys are able to deal with it as well as they possibly can, and, and still you know do both things. Do you have to address it all, particularly with certain players that maybe a little more emotional? I, I, you know what? I think that what we try to do is they're all individuals. We kind of touch them a little bit. We talk to them. Um, uh, I know. As the, the last one was going through, we talked to a few guys and, and uh, just kind of keep in touch that way. Um, they're, they're very aware of what's going on, but um, I think uh, it's, it, it's going to be what it's going to be. It kind of takes care of itself, and so there are very few things you can control in, in, in this particular instance for them. How do you handle a guy like Mike Todd, a young player? I mean, do you have to tell him anything, uh, encouragement? Uh, a reminder about things that need to be done, or do you say anything at all? No, I think uh, every, in, in particular yesterday's game, I think uh, we addressed in the moments after every play yesterday what was going on. So you try to, if you can, you try to get it as quickly as you can. Uh, again, it, timing is really important because the young man's getting ready to hit. I don't want him to start thinking about what just happened out there in the field. I need him to get ready to hit. Uh, but our coaching staff is really, really good at picking the moments and when they're talking to the players after certain situations. Uh, you have to address them. Uh, it's be foolish not to. I think it has more to do, though, with how they approach the particular ground ball or a fly ball or things of that nature. And in, when it comes to the at-bats, uh, you know, Trey and or Sparky talk to them about what might have been going on in their minds in a particular situation. Uh, it's just part of the process, and I don't think it changes whether you're a rookie or a veteran. Same thing with Lucas, though. What do you, yeah. How do you handle Because he has all this time off before he starts again. Yeah. Do you talk to him? Is he not talking to him about his emotions and trying to handle him? No, I mean, uh, I had plenty of time to talk to him last night. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we, we, we were in there giving each other solace, so to speak. <laughs> Uh, no, listen, we, we spoke about what happened in that particular situation, and uh, the reality is it's, it's over. I think uh, he was he was more upset at himself because he, he thought he was getting himself into uh, deeper counts yesterday a little bit, and, and so uh, I explained to him that, you know, it's kind of a two-pronged effect. You know, we, we, we there were certain plays we probably could have made that we didn't make, and, and uh, he's trying to work through that, and uh, maybe if, if we make a couple of plays, it allows him a few more pitches to continue to work. Uh, but he also, he was like, you know, I didn't throw enough strikes. I, I thought I was uh, putting myself in deep account. So he took it upon himself uh, and accountable to his actions, uh, which is kind of refreshing, to be honest. That's White Sox manager Ricky Renteria from just a couple of minutes ago. So the rotation will basically be filled out with, uh, with a number of guys, it sounds like, whether that be Carson Fulmer, Mike Pelfrey, Dylan Covey. You know the names. They've made starts before this season. Uh, Carson Carson Fulmer will get the start tomorrow against these San Francisco Giants. Also, quite something to hear about players who have family in Florida, in any of the islands around that area too, Cuba, uh, the Dominican. Uh, boy, that, that hurricane is is serious business, and I know a lot of players' thoughts are obviously with family and family members who, who may be in there. Um, for one, Jose Abreu said his family in Cuba is safe after getting uh, some good effects of the Hurricane Irma that's coming through. His uh, wife and mother are staying in Miami, however. So obviously our uh, best wishes go out to those in hurricane-affected areas. You heard Ricky, too, talk about a conversation he had with Lucas Giolito after both of them were removed from the game yesterday by home plate umpire Gabe Morales. 
We'll hear from Lucas Giolito when we come back after the 4 o'clock news. I had a chance to sit down with a young burgeoning White Sox pitcher, and we'll hear from him in just a few. You've got White Sox Weekly, so stay right here, WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. White Sox and Giants coming up at 6.10 tonight. We'll start the pregame show at 5.35. It'll be James Shields and Jeff Samarja on the mound. Well, you got the White Sox lineup. I'll probably give that to you a little bit later on in the show. We will also, later on in the show, be, uh, I'll explain it too. We'll be giving away tickets to a sit-down, an exclusive hello, and uh, an interview with White Sox general manager Rick Hahn. That'll be on September 20th. We've got a chance for you to win some tickets. You can stop by the WLS studios. We've got a, a real nice setup in there. we got a cafeteria, little little sound lounge, the whole thing. Theater. You can sit down, and, uh, and we're going to do a one-on-one. Rick Hahn and I, we're going to talk a lot about these White Sox organization, the rebuild, the young players, the whole thing. It's going to be a, a blast and really uh, kind of a, a, a got to go to for White Sox fans. So you have a chance to win some tickets to that sit down. The hot seat with Han is what we're calling it because we got to have alliteration in our contests. Uh, and we're going to give those away a little bit later on this afternoon, probably about the 445 mark or so. We're going to talk to Lucas Giolito in just a second, but I got to tell you first that you can head to the park. Dollar hot dogs one last time this season. Take advantage of this unbeatable deal on the last Wednesday home game as the Sox take on the Los Angeles Angels at 7.10 p.m. You can purchase tickets today by visiting whitesocks.com or by calling 866-SOX-GAME. Sit down with White Sox rookie Lucas Giolito. Lucas, a couple of starts here over the last few weeks. Things have gone by and large pretty well for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk a bit about the season in Charlotte heading up to you know your promotion here. I, I know the start of the year was maybe a little bit different than the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Talked with your pitching coach, Steve McCaddy, at one point, mm-hmm. and, and he mentioned that you, know, you could all kind of feel that you were coming around close. Mm-hmm. What did being close mean, and what was the switch that flipped? Yeah, it was uh, start off the year. I was struggling with a few things, you know, struggling to repeat my delivery, struggling mentally with confidence, and just trusting my stuff. Uh, over the course of the season, it did feel like it was getting closer and closer, and that clo- like that closeness was like getting closer to just getting back to myself, and and that is being very very confident out on the mound, trusting what I have that day, and just competing to, to the best of my ability um, and so I was able to start doing that more towards the second half of the year and um, yeah it's worked out well now I'm up here is it is it possible that that's a lesson you take with you I mean I in your first start I think for the Sox for the White Sox at the big league level you mentioned your curveball wasn't exactly where it was and you had to move on to some different things is that a yeah. lesson maybe learned this season yeah just I used to get frustrated. I'd go out there and, and I'd feel like my mechanics weren't right on the mound. And it would just, from you know first pitch, just have like that level of frustration in the back of my head. Like, it's not coming out right. You know, it's, I'm not feeling good. And I would let it affect my performance. Whereas now, it's like you have what you have. Yeah. And so, you know, you're warming up in the pen that day. You go out there on the mound and, you know, maybe something's not working or something's really working. It's being able to kind of utilize that to the best of your ability that day. And um, that's kind of a big lesson I've learned is that, um, you know, as a pitcher, you have to go out there every five days with what you got, and you just you just work work to the best of your ability. 
So when this airs, you'll have pitched Friday against the Giants. Ronaldo Lopez went the other night. What is it like when you're not pitching, when you get to watch a guy like Carlos, a guy like Ronaldo, guys that you've been teammates with and worked with some? You know, Ricky Renneries talked a bit about the excitement that kind of is around you young guys in that rotation. Do you feel that when, when Ronaldo goes out and yeah. doesn't quite have the defense behind him but still pitches really well to get around it? Do you feel that hype? Yeah, definitely. I, I you know, I've been playing with uh, Lopi for four or five years now. So, you know, we're pretty we're pretty close. Um, so, you know, I get I get a little nervous watching watching some of my close friends out there on the mound. Sometimes yeah. a lot more nervous than I am when I'm out there. Um, but no, I mean Lopi's Lopi's an awesome dude, and he's a really, really good pitcher. I've actually learned a lot from him over the years, just because I think that he has a like a pitcher's mind kind of beyond his years. Um, he's very, very good at reading swings, um, you know, sequencing pitches. So those are a bunch of things I've learned from him specifically. But yeah, overall, I mean, just you know, the the young talent in general, the the starting rotation, as well as, you know, some other guys that will be coming up soon over the next couple of years. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun and it's uh, you know it's cool to have that that kind of that young core where we're we're developing and working together. Often it's you know we talk about young guys learning from veterans like James Shields and that's important, uh, no doubt about it. But I find it interesting that, you know, with the way the White Sox have set up some of the young talent, there are going to be, it seems like, waves. Mm-hmm. And there's got to be things that you can learn from your peers as well. Mm-hmm. And, and I wonder if there's, if you've spotted a difference in, like, the lessons that maybe you learn or, or how you acquire those little things along the way from guys like veterans as opposed to your peers, guys you're at the same level with. Yeah, I mean, with, with veteran guys, you know, guys like uh, James, who I, I talk to all the time, yeah. Um, you know, you, you can go to him and ask him questions just about whatever, pitching, life, whatever, just from their experience. You know, he's been doing it for a very, very long time. He's figured it out. So, you know, I'll, I'll go to him with questions about pitching um, or, you know, he'll, he'll come over and tell me, you know, a certain thought he has about something I'm doing. Um, whereas with the younger guys, uh, we kind of learn from each other just from watching each other, being around each other, um, you know, pointing things out. Uh, it's not really something that comes from experience, but just from, you know, kind of growing with each other and being around each other. What's working with Coop like? Awesome, awesome. Um, I, I, I really like just in, in, the si- in our sidelines and watching video, um, we... We point out a lot of the positives. Um, you know, we try to keep things as positive as possible. Um, you know, when I when I do throw a good pitch, he makes sure he makes sure to tell me. You know, remember like that feeling you have. Yeah. You know, when you release that curveball out there and you throw it perfectly. You know, what, what what is that that you're feeling? You know, it's a lot of good positive reinforcement. Um, but at the same time, he's honest. You know, he he'll he'll tell you. You know, uh, I think that this pitch will be a weapon for you. I think that. Uh, you know, this might not be so good for you. And uh, in the case of my slider this year, that that was kind of started in spring training. You know, he told me, I, I can see you being a guy, if you add this pitch into your arsenal, it'll be very effective. And, you know, sure enough, I've been working on it over the whole year, and, and now it's at a point where it's a, it's a true weapon for me out there. How much do you think about pitch mix and, and the idea that that can kind of change and evolve? Like you could scrap one at one point. I mean, you're still so young in this whole scheme of things. 
is, is that a cemented thing at any point? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, even even guys like Shieldsy are, are adding new things. Yeah. You know, he's kind of lowered uh, his release point, and that's kind of, I mean, I think it's pretty nasty. Uh, but, no, I don't know if it's ever a true cemented thing. I mean, no one's ever perfect. You know, you're always always working to, to get better at your craft. Um, you know, right now I'm very comfortable with, you know, the mix of pitches I have. You know, I throw my change up a lot. Um, you know, I'm starting to throw more fastballs up in the zone to complement trying to drive the ball down. And then the slider and curveball as well, you know, two different breaking pitches. So right now, I mean, I think that's that's good for me. And, uh, you know, I'm still trying to get good feels uh, for, for all of those and get more consistent with all of them. How do you like to use data? Um... Not, I don't use it too much. Okay. But uh, one thing in particular that data has helped me with is with I'm not I'm not like too keen on all the uh, you know uh, words for it, but uh, just kind of like the um, what is it like with the fastball like drive ride uh, or is that spin rate. Not necessarily spin rate, but just uh, like the. It's like a, it's like a combination. It's like extension, uh, downward plane, all that stuff. Okay. And that's kind of helped me to learn um, about throwing the fastball up and how effective it is. Interesting. Yeah, looking at some data things with that, not and and the kind of like complementing it with just experience being out there. Yeah. You know, I might be trying to throw a fastball to a no count, for for example. I'll be trying to fast throw a fastball down the way to a lefty, but I accidentally throw it up over the middle of the plate, but it's it's up at the top of the zone. He swings Letters, and misses. Yeah. In a hitter's count 2-0. Oh. It's like, hmm, you know, I just threw a fastball up in the zone 2-0. and oh, and He swung and missed. And then, you know, to look at certain data about, like, what my fastball's doing, you know, kind of plays together. And so I've kind of put that all into one thing that shows me, oh, when I throw my fastball up yeah. in the zone, it can be very effective. You know, I don't want to live up there. Sure. I, you know, you want to kind of, like, be back and forth. But, um, you know, that's just one thing. Other than that, I don't worry about data too much. Um, I do like to watch a lot of video and, and learn from that. But, um, yeah, no, I'm mostly on the old school side, I guess. What do you? Uh, what does the Lucas Giolito do to unplug? If you're not playing baseball, mm-hmm. if you've got, you know, you only work once every five days. Yeah. Granted, it's brutal work, and about nine people in the world can do it. <laughs> what do you do to unplug? Um, I play a lot of video games. Name them. Um, Let's hear them. <laughs> the number one for me is Rocket League. I play computer. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, All I right. Play, I play computer games, so. So primarily you're a PC guy. Yeah, right. yeah. I have my gaming laptop with me here on the road. Sure. And I have my desktop back home. And did you did you build your own rig? Is that something mm-hmm. I... Yeah, okay. I built two. Um, I built one a couple years ago, and then I gave that one to my brother, and I built one um, uh, last off season's kind of, you know, top of the line, the 1080 uh, GPU in it and all that good stuff. But, um, yeah, uh, I play a lot of Rocket League. Uh, just, it's kind of got, it's such a competitive game sure. that it kind of gets, you know, as a competitive guy, um, you know, you can always get better at it. There's no, like, ceiling you hit ever in Rocket League. Um, I like to play some first-person shooters, third-person shooters. I've played a lot of H1Z1. Um, keep the hand-eye up. 
Yeah, I guess. Yeah. No, it's important. <laughs> I, I played a lot of H1Z1. Now I've kind of transitioned to playing uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Play a good amount of that. I've heard really good things about that. That's, I haven't gotten into it myself yet. Yeah, very, very fun. You okay. know, it, it, it can be slow paced sometimes. Uh, it, it's cool. It's kind of like, you know, you land on an island, um, every man for themselves, unless you're playing on, on teams of two or four, I think they offer. Um, you can play first person or third person. Uh, yeah, you land on an island. Uh, it's kind of like Hunger Games style where it's like the 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 play area becomes smaller and smaller over time, and it's like last team standing oh, so it's like or last it's forcing band. you together to stop from, you know, like sniping or camping or something yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and sure. so that game's super addicting. I play I play that all the time with my buddies online. Yeah. That's not a bad way to wind down, man. Yeah. It's not a bad yeah. way. A lot what? of video games, a lot of, you know, TV shows, movies, just like to relax. And then this off season, uh, I'll probably try and mix a little more golf in. What is the the winter plan as far as baseball goes? Will you shut it down completely for a little while and then ramp back up? Will this off season's plan be any different from from last? Since you know your innings will be at a level you've probably not hit. Yeah, it, this is the most innings I've thrown I think already. Yeah. Um, well, I feel really good. My body feels great. My arm feels great. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to continue to pitch the rest of the season. Uh, after the season, yeah, shut shut it down. Uh, you know, take I'll probably take like a week or like two, maybe two weeks off, and then start getting back in the weight room, running, all that good stuff, and then uh, probably pick a ball up again December ish to start playing catch and getting ready for spring training. Lucas, appreciate it. Enjoy yeah. Destiny 2. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. That is Lucas Gilito, the man builds computers and throws Snapdragon curves. It's a pretty unique set of skills, uh, but Lucas has it, and it's been a lot of fun to watch him throw here at Guaranteed Rate Field. I don't, I don't imagine you'd want to watch him build a computer, but you could because he can. He'll make his next start in a couple of days. Uh, got squeezed a little bit in his last one last night for Lucas. Five and a third, five runs, four earn, four walks, five strikeouts, and a home run. We'll hear from another starter in this White Sox organization in just a couple of minutes. Michael Kopech is going to join us on the show. He hung out a little bit when he was here at Guaranteed Right Field checking out the work site. We'll also hear from Kevin Smith if we've got time to squeeze that in after a quick break. I talked with Kevin, White Sox catcher, about catching both of the young men in the rotation, uh, joining for their rookie seasons, uh, Lucas Gilito and Reynaldo Lopez. We talked a bit about the two of them, how they how they compare, how they're different from one another. A good conversation as well. we got all that coming up, so stay right here. This is WLSAM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. The MLB.com at Bat app is your number one mobile app for live White Sox baseball. Stay connected with a fully customizable experience. Get White Sox home screen icons and app features, as well as game day, live game video highlights, radio broadcasts, StatCast news, and more. Download MLB.com at bat today. I actually just had my, my dad download the app last night. He was using some other app. It wasn't very good. And he didn't know that he could listen to the radio broadcast right there on the MLB.com at bat app. And, uh, and I tried downloaded it for him, you know, showed him how to use it, the whole thing. I mean, it's not like he's technology averse. It's a very easy thing to do. But I'm I'm glad we put him on the on the straight and narrow. I'm glad we we put White Sox baseball right into his phone uh, last night. I I didn't realize that the old man was using something other than the at bat app. And I'm I'm very glad that we fixed things. He's very happy with it. Very happy with being able to access uh, all the baseball you can possibly handle right there 
on your phone or your tablet or whatnot. Um, after the 4.30 news, that's coming up in just a couple of minutes, I talked with Kevin Smith, White Sox catcher, about Reynaldo Lopez and about Lucas Giolito and really kind of focused on what these last few starts, what this last little bit of September is going to mean to the really the three of them. Uh, Kevin works very, very close, as most catchers do, but very closely with the guys in the rotation to make sure that you know, it's a team effort out there, that you know, you, there's a reason when pitchers and catchers talk, you'll often hear the we out there, right? We're trying to throw the fastball there. We're trying to get him out with a slide. It's a, it's a team kind of thing. So we'll hear from Kevin in just a bit. We will also hear from Michael Kopech before we get to the 5 o'clock hour, but I wanted to let you know that we're running a, a special event on September 20th at 1 p.m. September 20th, 1 p.m. That's a Wednesday. Mark your calendars. Tell your boss you're getting off of work if you win these tickets because we're going to have the event called Hot Seat with Han. It's a sit-down. Rick and I are going to sit down. We'll talk quite a bit from 1 to 2 about the White Sox organization, about what this organization is has done over the last six months or so, what's next. Think of it as, if you've ever been to SoxFest, and if you haven't, you really should go, think of it as your own personal kind of forum right there like you have at SoxFest with the general manager of the Chicago White Sox. You don't get to do this anywhere else. There's nobody else that offers this kind of thing. So for diehards, I, I hope this is a destination for you. Uh, we are going to give you a chance to win tickets right now to the hot seat with Han on Wednesday, September 20th at 1 p.m. All you have to do is text SOX, that's S-O-X, SOX, to 312-591-8900 for a chance to win two tickets to this exclusive event. You text, you get a chance to win. We'll let you know if you've got a pair of tickets for Wednesday, September 20th at 1 for the Hot Seat with Han event at WLS Studios. It's at the NBC Tower downtown. You get all the information, you win a couple of tickets. When we come back after the 4.30 news, we'll have a chat with White Sox catcher Kevin Smith. I'm Connor McKnight. Keep it right here on WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. This is WLSAM 890, Sox and Giants, coming up in about an hour here on this very station. Be James Shields and Jeff Samarja making the starts. It's a pretty chill music bed here. I'm all relaxed on this Saturday afternoon. Our producer's Don Kleppen. He picks the tunes. We just talk baseball. We talked baseball with Kevin Smith, White Sox catcher, just a couple of, probably about an hour and a half ago or so. Really focusing on pitching today. What with the news the White Sox uh, had yesterday with Carlos Rodon. He will be done for the season. Shut down with left shoulder tightness and MRI. Kind of showed, Carlos said, the, the same thing that it showed at some point during the beginning of the season when he started the year on the disabled list and was shut down for a little while. Certainly not great news, but for Carlos, who made 12 starts this year, there were some pretty stellar outings. So hopefully that's something he can build on. That's something he can build on. After he fixes the issue and gets healthy during this offseason, he'll be done for the year pitching. Meanwhile, there are two real bright young stars in this White Sox rotation, in Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez. And the White Sox are certainly searching uh, or, or perhaps have more in the system. Carson Fulmer is going to get a, get a go on Sunday, and Michael Kopech was here just a couple of days ago. We're going to hear from Michael in just a few minutes. But I, I wanted to talk with a guy who backstops or has backstopped Ronaldo and Lucas, and I got a chance to talk with Kevin Smith a bit 
this afternoon in the White Sox clubhouse, and I kind of wanted to see from him what the next steps are. How do you push these guys forward? How do you make sure these last couple of starts are starts that help guys learn lessons, that help guys move forward? And I will bring that to you here on White Sox Weekly. A couple of minutes here with Kevin Smith before the White Sox go take on the Giants today. You've caught both Lucas and Reynaldo, both in the minors and the majors here. Coop talks a lot about making sure that fastball is the best pitch you've got, you know, yeah. making sure that you spot it right. Do you see similarities between those two guys, given that they've come over from a different system and have now kind of worked through the White Sox the way they have? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think what they've done a great job this year is uh, throwing their off speed when they need to. Um, being able to throw for strikes and put aways, um, I think uh, Lopey's more of a guy where we're going to use that heater a lot to get ahead of guys. Sure. And then, because a big thing I think with him is he slows down a lot when he tries too hard to throw it for a strike. Okay. Um, and it can kind of throw him off a little bit. I want him to keep his same fastball mechanics. So that's um, that's one thing that I think we're going to keep striving for, keep working for, is being able to get that first pitch curve over for a strike, um, maybe mixing a change up here or there. And he's developing a little slider, which I love right now. Um, we threw it a couple times in some spots that I was happy with. And, uh, I mean, last last outing, we probably should have got him into the seventh or the eighth. Um, but obviously, unfortunate things happened. Um, but uh, as for where his development is, it's it's fun to watch. It's fun to catch. Um, and as for Lucas, I mean, it's funny. I look back to last night's outing, and even though he wasn't as sharp, you could say, he still we still, still should have got him into the seventh or eighth inning. Um, and, you know, with what both of those guys have been doing well is throwing their change-ups and fastball counts. Um, you'll be seeing with with, uh, with Lucas a bunch of times, um, he's been very successful with that. I know we got burned a little bit with San, with uh, Sandoval yesterday, but um, those are just things that we need to keep learning. And, I mean, like Lucas yesterday, he was a little up with his change-up a couple times. I just said, hey, don't be afraid to spike it. You know, these are all things that... Working together, we start figuring out maybe what's his, uh, what are his key points, what are his key words whenever we need that that pitch in a big situation. Um, but um, they're they're both doing a phenomenal job, I think, with handling what's kind of put on their plate right now. The expectations, I think, they're meeting them um, with leaps and bounds right now, and uh, it's just exciting to move forward. So, how much do you guys talk about pitch mix as something that kind of evolves from start to start? And sometimes you don't have a changeup. Right. Sometimes, like you said, Ronaldo's sure. got that right. slider coming around. Right, some. for sure. Um, I think it kind of varies to kind of what I see back there each sure. day. Um, if that changeup's nasty, like like uh, uh, what was it two outings ago with uh, Geo? Yeah. I mean, we're going to go to that thing. Every other pitch, it feels like. I know we're not, but you just know you have that in the back your uh, uh, back pocket. But, I mean, um, what's funny with these guys is they have such dominating stuff, I think, that whenever you read scouting reports and it says maybe don't throw a change-up to this guy, it's like, well, you haven't seen Ronaldo's change-up. So um, there's, there's never that moment of what are we going to throw more of or throw less. We're going to stick with their strengths. Maybe attack some of the hitters' weaknesses if we can. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, what these guys do so well, is control their strengths, control what they can do, and just uh, just stay positive. That's the biggest thing, I think, for these guys is to just keep working in the right direction. Don't get down if something doesn't happen, you know, as planned. Um, and just, just kind of, I mean, what I always preach is be a great teammate, you know what I mean? Um, 
I make an error, I, I want him to look me in the face and say, I got you another one coming. You know what I mean? It's stuff like that, 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 that that's going to build teams. It's going to build chemistry. It, it's just going to build an overall better atmosphere out on the field. So You and you and the pitcher and, and mm-hmm. or Omar, too, you work like a tandem out there. Mm-hmm, for sure. It's, it's really a job that you do together. If no you had, you know, a, a box to check, like, mm-hmm. yeah, Ronaldo, we got that done got by that the end of this year. Right. Lucas done by the end of the year. For sure. What would that box look like? Is it the same for both those guys? Or is I it think, a bit? Um, man, that's a good question. I think, I think Gio and uh, Lopez both have 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 checked the box of my stuff plays up here. Sure. So, um, not knowing that, now it's on to, you know. How are we going to pitch this guy? Why are we pitching this guy this way? Why are we pitching around this guy because of who's on deck? What are the guys on base doing? You know, holding runners, mm-hmm. you know, just managing games, um, not letting emotions get to you if maybe something doesn't happen. You know, stay focused. I mean, I love watching guys like, I mean, those guys should be learning stuff from guys like Kluber, from these top-name guys. I mean, watch, we get two home runs off that guy, mm-hmm. and he didn't break an emotion. I was like, that is odd. Like he wasn't. He was like, "I'm the best. I'm gonna keep going." And what did he he carved after that? It was. I mean, it's just it's fun to watch, but also at the same time you can learn so much from those guys. Yeah. So it's like you know, however many starts they had left here. I mean, just keep going with what you're doing. You know, your stuff's there. It's just a matter of having that presence on the mound. That 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 X factor of knowing that your stuff's gonna play up here and almost take it to the next level of the mental side of things. You know, what are we doing? Maybe lock in on the scouting reports a little more. Um, So you can work with me a little more. Like, I want their full trust. But say I have a a moment where maybe I'm, I'm a little off. They can help me with that and say, no, I think this is the great pitch. And it, it's it's stuff like that where we're going to progress and get better at each each start and obviously going into next year um, and just kind of learning the game. Ricky always talks about being a student into the game. You know, watch the game. You can learn a lot from just sitting on the bench. And, I mean, I've, I've learned that the hard way coming up through the minors by coaches, you know. Yeah getting on you about not watching the game or you know dozing off but if you actually pay attention you can learn a lot especially especially up here with a lot of these veteran guys we're facing and seeing how they handle their business and what they do or why they did it um it's uh it becomes a lot a lot more interesting whenever you dig into a little deeper so um yeah i think that's where those guys need to go next and just kind of keep keep tapping into the next levels and uh i mean that's just that's just what's going to make us I think bond better as a squad. So awesome, Kevin. Yeah. Really appreciate it, man. Doubt, man. Thanks you a lot. It. Yep, for sure, brother. Enjoy the last three weeks. Thank you, man. That is White Sox catcher Kevin Smith, a man who has uh, worked really well with Ronaldo Lopez and with Lucas Giolito. You can commemorate the Hall of Fame career of White Sox star outfielder Tim Raines by purchasing a limited edition Tim Raines Hall of Fame dual bobblehead. This unique keepsake includes action shots of Tim's likeness as a White Sox and Expos player. Rock bobbleheads are just 40 bucks each and available while supplies last. Visit whitesocks.com slash rockbobble to get yours today. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, one of the top prospects in all of baseball, Michael Kopech, is going to hang out with us here on White Sox Weekly. So stay right here. you got WLS AM 890. This is White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. We'll start the pregame show at 535. White Sox fans, oh, Michael Kopech coming up in just a couple of seconds. Sox fans, you can celebrate Hispanic Heritage Night on September 22nd, presented by Modelo Especial. 
There will be Latin music and dancing, special activities for kids, an on-field parade, and a post-game fireworks show. Modelo Especial, good guys, wear black and drink gold. Tickets start as low as $10. To purchase, visit whitesox.com slash NHH. Chance to sit down with White Sox pitcher Michael Kopech, a man who's uh, at the ballpark you hope to work at for a very long time and very soon, I think. Michael, good to see you, man. Yeah, good to see you, man. Glad to be here. So let's talk a little bit about your season in both AA and AAA. I think, you know, in talking with the media just a couple of minutes ago here in the dugout, your eyes kind of lit up a little bit when you mentioned that you worked a full innings load, that you had a full season. That seemed to be a really big, not only point of pride, but a really big goal for you coming into this year. Why is that, and how much of a sense of accomplishment do you feel for that? Uh, I mean, I feel awesome about it. And to me, I think it was such a big goal because it wasn't only a goal for me. It felt like a group goal. It felt like an organization goal. Everybody wanted to see me get that full innings load, and I finally got it. And you know, I finished healthy. I didn't finish with much fatigue. And so just the fact that I was able to reach that milestone and get ready for next year was, I think, coming from the organization, a very important part, and for me, a very important part, considering I threw more this year than I did the last two seasons combined. So. It almost feels like you could set, I mean, let's not set the results aside, because you had a hell of a season, but if you did set them aside, that's a, a pretty noble goal, especially from where you're at and in your development track as it is right now. Right, and I, I think, you know, I, I like I said, I just think that that really set me up for what whatever's to come next year, and the fact that I was able to go out there and you know, at the most, take seven days between starts. I think that was great for me. Just kind of get in a routine, work the season a little bit, and go the whole year without fatigue. That was, I, I couldn't be more grateful for that. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, working through Double A. You were named the Double A Pitcher of the Year. Congrats on that. Thank you. It's an honor in and of itself. But I know and you know that when you're pitching that well down there in Double A, you're looking at Triple A as a next step. Yeah. How do you keep yourself focused? How do your teammates, how do your coaches help keep you focused when you know that there's more out there to go get? Yeah, I mean, you know, I would talk to it with other guys in our staff down there, and we all kind of we we're going through the same thing. We're thinking about a promotion. We're thinking about you know the next start, and you're trying to balance out what's most important to focus on at the time, and it almost got to the point where I had to forget about being promoted at all. I had to think that this is where I'm going to finish the year. This is what I'm going to do. All I'm going to do is go out there and compete my best my next start. And so when I got into that mindset and was able to just go start by start, I really think that was what kind of locked me in for the rest of the year. And it, you know, it ended up getting a promotion out of it anyway. So I think that was really what helped. And talking to those guys that have been down there and are trying to go through the same thing, they were they were kind of in the same mindset. Kind of teaches that once you push away the big stuff, the small stuff comes into focus. Yeah. The big stuff happens on its own. Right. Yeah. You gotta you gotta set your sights on something very specific. And when your goal is very broad, it's hard to do that. So you know, like I said, once I was able to focus start by start, I think it just kind of locked me in that much more. Talking about specific starts, you know, down in the minors, I know a lot of our fans, you know, are, are very interested in minor league baseball right now with you and, and Eloy and, and the rest of the crop the White Sox have. But as, as we try and teach them, and this is something we've tried to do on the show, how do we watch minor league baseball? What should we look for? Do you go into starts at times with, like, a task at hand? Like, hey, Michael, let's throw 35 change-ups tonight, or let's make sure that we, you know, put that slider on the outer half. And, and how do you go ahead and adjust once... Maybe you don't have that slider tonight, yeah. or maybe that fastball is just not going into lefties the way you want it to. Yeah. And you got to kind of change things that night. 
you know, it, it may not always be that specific, but you're right for the most part. That's how pretty much those games go. I, I know for me, the last couple months of the year, I was, you know, working on getting ahead early in counts and really just trying to, you know, create an out earlier than later. And for me, that would be, you know, throwing a first pitch strike. And so my first pitch fastball might be 94, 95, and then I'll throw 0 02 fastball in 98, 99, 100, whatever the case may be. And so you would notice a difference in how I was pitching and when I would, when I would try to use an out pitch, when I would rear back a little bit. And, you know, it's ironic you say that, I lost my slider in my last couple starts. I lost the feel for it, rather. Sure. And so I, I would try to, you know, mix my pitches a little better to where I was able to still compete in the game and get guys with a different pitch. And, you know, that's kind of what minor leagues is about is development but once you get to AAA you're getting a little bit of development and you're getting a lot of guys that already have a cup of coffee so it's it's fun to kind of get a mix there you, you sound like you've kind of taken a page out of the Don Cooper conversation our every pregame <laughs> show that we do here on the station he talks about getting outs early he talks about getting that first pitch strike over how much of, of his philosophy and his you know because I, I saw you and Coop work a lot in spring training yeah. he loved working with you how much do you hear from him or just kind of hear his lessons throughout a minor league season? Yeah, you know, I mean, unfortunately this season we didn't have a chance to, you know, talk one-on-one a lot, but it was, it'd be ironic how often his, uh, how often his talks came into effect during, sure. during season. There would be, you know, it'd be mid-June and he would talk about painting a lower and away fastball after, you you know, maybe you went hard in it or hard up in it. <laughs> And then you apply that directly to a start on June 14th that you talked about in February. So that's right. Oftentimes, Michael, uh, teammates can apply as much pressure as anybody else. We're sitting here, and Avi Garcia and Yelmer Sanchez have joined us. Gentlemen, uh, you faced this guy in spring training yet? Have you, have you had to swing against him? He got a good English, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that is that's at least the fifth time Yelmer has just kind of stood over an interview like this. I mean, you gotta you gotta enjoy the fact that yeah. these guys in major league uniforms are ready for you to be here, and it, it kind of feels like you're ready for this too. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I, I've had a chance, you know, in big league camp to to play alongside a lot of these guys, and if not in big league camp, I had a chance to play with a lot of these guys in uh, you know Birmingham, Charlotte, wherever the case may be, and seeing them here and kind of. Everything that's kind of meshing together this year in the clubhouse, it's a lot of fun to watch. I'm excited to see it continue to do so next year. All right, so take me to the end of the double-A season for you. You're right there toward it. You know, a promotion has just come. How would you get the news you were going up to triple-A? And what was your, you know, because each, each promotion, I mean, that's still a task. It's an assignment, right? And it's yeah. a job to get done. I think it was three starts at triple-A. What was different about that level from double-A? And I know you said you lost the slider a little bit some or the feel for it some. How did you go ahead and handle that at a, at a new and higher, more difficult level? Yeah, I mean, in Birmingham, I, I've gotten into a rhythm, and a groove almost, you can say, to where I just felt like I was almost unhittable. And it, it wasn't anything special I was doing. I wasn't doing anything different. I was just throwing more strikes. And it, I realized that, I mean, as simple as it sounds, filling up a zone is going to put the pressure on the hitter versus the pitcher. And when I was able to do that, I, I just felt like I was in control of the whole game. What does that feel like? <laughs> uh, 
I don't really know how to no, put it. No, please describe words. it. Describe it to a man who was a terrible high school pitcher. <laughs> please tell me what does it feel like to be in control like that. Uh, I'll say I'll say it feels relieving because okay. the the whole year you're out there, you're competing, you're competing, you're competing, and trying to figure out what it is to click for everything to feel right. Right. And once you find that one thing that made everything feel the way you wanted to, you feel almost relieved and not. Not necessarily excited or dominant or cocky or anything like that. You you feel like you just did what you've been working on your whole life, and that's not even to feel a sense of accomplishment. And Triple A, Major Leagues, whatever the case may be, that's just Double A baseball. But I I can't imagine how it feels to do that here. I feel like that's that's got to be a much better way to go up there than than when I did when it was terror. Just that was the only emotion I think I remember feeling when I was out there. It's just terror. Uh, well, congratulations Thank on you. one hell of a season. Thank and you. it'll be AAA, so the sights are there. Uh, the off season for you. Shut it down for just a little bit, get right back up, uh, pitch a little. What is your typical offseason kind of plan? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a couple weeks off, kind of relax for a little bit, let the body recover. Sure. Uh, and then, you know, towards the end of this month, I'm going to jump in there and hit the weight room like I usually do. Uh, I probably won't pick up a ball again after tonight throwing out the first pitch <laughs> until December. So so I'm going to wait a little while to start the whole throwing program, but I'm going to get in the weight room here fairly soon after I take a little bit of rest. Right. You deserve it. Thanks, Michael. We really appreciate sitting down. Appreciate it. That's Michael Kopech, one of the White Sox top prospects. Interesting to hear him talk about just having that kind of Command over a ball game. Fairly interesting stuff. We're going to hit the news at 5 when we come back. Scott Merkin, MLB.com, is scheduled to join us. we got to give some congratulations out to the Kannapolis Intimidators. We'll tell you why in case you missed it. Keep it right here. You've got White Sox Weekly on WLSAM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. Going to start the pregame show at 535. White Sox and Giants coming up here at Guaranteed Rate Field. I'm Connor McKnight, and with me is Scott Merkin of MLB.com. Scott, thanks as always for joining us on no the problem. show. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about Carlos Rodon, obviously. It's the big news here right. at the ballpark and something we found out yesterday. Obviously, you guys talked with Carlos yesterday after the ball game. He seemed first and foremost concerned that the rehab happens, that he fixes himself from the injury and then moves forward. But what is kind of the long-term from Carlos as you understand it now? I don't think he knows the exact long-term yet. He's being reevaluated Monday from what he told us. We were told by the team, you know, next week, and he specified Monday so he won't be in Kansas City with the team. Sure. And then from there, they see what, you know, what goes depending on the reevaluation there. I mean, obviously something has to change somewhere, right, because he had this issue which kept him out till June 28th, so basically he missed three, the first three months of the season. Right. And now it's popped back up before his start on Thursday, I guess it was, right? So, I mean, there's got to be some sort of thing they have to find. And, you know, Ricky basically said last night when we asked him post-game, Ricky Renteria, that they can't really set the plan out until they know exactly what they're dealing with. All they know is the inflammation is there again. And as Carlos said, it's, it's an MRI that looks an awful lot like the one he had at the end of spring training when this popped up then. They haven't used the, you know, bicep bursitis as a description this time. It sounds like it's more in the shoulder. Hmm. So I guess we'll find out more as next week progresses. Uh, where do you see the season Carlos did have? You know, 12 starts. You mentioned him missing three months of the season. We saw him in spring and only a little bit. I, is this is this a year that has anything you can take from it if you're Carlos, or is that really up to him? I think it's interesting. Like he said, you know, it, it's kind of like all his years he's had here. He had some stretches of absolute dominance. Yeah. And then some stretches where he wasn't quite as good. And people have to remember, he's a young guy. 
It's not like this guy's in his 10th season and he's right. made, you know, uh, 200 starts. Well, be more than that if you're 10 seasons, right? 300 starts would be yeah. what you're hoping for. 200 would be a little low. Um, so, you know, he's got time. He's got. They, they just got to figure out what caused this issue this year, which left him, you know, with, I think, 12 starts overall. 12 starts, Something yeah. like that. Almost 70 innings. Yeah. So and, and, you know, he had 75 strikeouts in that and was great his last, uh, since that Cubs start. Yeah. Even that Cubs start, he struck out 11 in four innings, just got hit a little bit, gave up some long home run to Contreras and some base runners, but it, it's there. You know, it's there. He's People don't talk about him as much because he's, quote-unquote, in italics, the veteran, yeah. compared to Giolito and Lopez and Alec Hansen and everyone else who's going to be coming in. Michael Kopech, of course. But, I mean, you know, it's there to be a top-of-the-rotation type of guy. They just got to get him healthy and got to get it consistent. And I think the health part comes first, and the consistency will just come as he develops as a pitcher. It's just tough to, to see, you know, as, as we shape out this rotation, right, and and go ahead and put in, I think the rotation for next season is a really fascinating topic. I've been thinking about it a lot over the last couple of weeks. You know, you automatically put Rodon in there, and it seems like Gilito and Lopez are done. They're in the right. rotation, and James Shields fits in there, too. What what if Carlos isn't quite ready to roll yet, or what if the abundance of caution kind of bleeds over into spring and, and forward? What does that leave the White Sox with option-wise? Well, you know, I talked to Rick Hahn recently uh, for a magazine story I was doing, and he mentioned about how, you know, I think people think this is going to be a really quiet offseason because they made so many moves in the, ten, in, in the, in the talent accumulation portion yes. of the rebuild. Say that ten times fast. But I, I, he made it seem like, you know, if, there's, if the market lends itself and there's something to be done free agent-wise in the offseason, that could be a possibility. So I, I think you probably, even if, Rodon is ready to go. And I was talking about this with other reporters here today. You probably need a couple veterans. You need a couple in the bullpen. Yeah. And you probably need a couple in the rotation because, you know, I don't think Giolito and Lopez, and if, for sure Copa, because I don't think he'll, you know, begin the year with the team, they're not going to go to 200 innings next year from where right. they're at. So you're right. going to need veterans to mix in there, too, besides a guy who would be who would fill out the rotation. So it'll be interesting to see how they approach this and what sort of deals they're looking for. Is it a one-year thing? Is it a guy that they like and maybe – you know, think can carry over into the the high point of this rebuild, the, the, the finality of the rebuild, and it means to see what the market shows. Well, and two, you know, the White Sox had recouped so much value in Anthony Swarzak and Tommy Canley, right. all things considered, you know, from where they were just 12 months ago to where they were traded at. You would imagine that you want to, you, you've got space roster-wise to take a couple of shots at players like that right. and see what happens. And, and even if you don't get the performance of a Tommy Canely, perhaps you get a, a manageable reliever that stays somewhere in that margin and either, like you said, is here or can be moved. Well, it's kind of like the, their viewpoint of young players before they went to the rebuild. The young players were kind of either to help you in the major league level yeah. or to help you by trading someone, trading for someone who could help you in the major league level. And I think that's what these veterans are now. Either a guy you could, as I point out, you could you know, work in short term or long term or a guy where you can move and kind of win the trade. And I think that's one of the things that happens in rebuilds. I mean, I know Sox fans don't like to hear about the other side of town, but, you know, they won a couple trades yeah. in, in that rebuild. The, yeah. You know, getting Kyle Hendricks in the Dempster deal, getting Jake Arrieta in the Scott Feldman deal, and Pedro Strope for the matter. Not, you know, not that the guys they traded were, they, they were serviceable, very solid veterans, but they got guys who were huge pieces. And that's one of the things. And I'm sure there's examples in Houston and Kansas City, too. It's just those two came to mind. And that's just one of the things that's kind of the next stage. So, yeah, they could help 
as a short-term or maybe a little bit you know, middle-level fix, or it could help where they start off great and you move them for more players in the middle of the season. Scott Merkin, MLB.com, joining us here for another minute or two on White Sox Weekly. Who then, if we take, we just got done talking with uh, Michael Kopech here on the mm-hmm. show. If you, if you took Kopech and Eloy, and I'm just picking those two because they were right. here this week. So let's take those two and put them aside. If you had to pick a, a fast mover, a riser in that system, not necessarily a guy that is going to play September baseball and get your cup of coffee here, but a guy you know, who makes moves next year, do you get a feel for, you know, given people you've talked to, whether they're, there might be a guy that's somewhat off the radar or just isn't the star power of Aloy Jimenez or Michael Kopech? Yeah, I think most of the guys who are going to make the moves, I mean, barring a lower-level guy, you can't say, you know, like I've heard sure. a lot of great things about Justin Yurchak, who is in the, this year's draft. I don't know if he's going to even be anywhere near where he even be close to the majors in, to in 19, you know, next year. Yeah. But I think so. most of the guys that are going to make the moves, I think, are guys you've heard of. I, I know they're thrilled to have Alec Hansen where they are. Yeah. You know, Alec Hansen, after the – is it? I'm going to try and get these years right. After the 15 draft, yes. right after the 15 draft, he was projected as 1-1 in 16. Indeed. Had a rough year at Oklahoma, dropped to the second round. And now is I think led the minor leagues in strikeouts this year, right? Or it was one or two in strikeouts. First, yeah. So I think this is a guy who could move very fast. Now again, it's a starting pitcher, so you got to make sure you got you know everything in order there. The White Sox have been have handled this great in terms of promoting the guys when it makes sense. But they also, as we've seen in the past with guys, Chris Sale, Gordon Beckham comes to mind, that when they force the issue, you know they they let them go. Now maybe it's a it's a little different scenario now because yeah. it's a rebuild. They're not trying to contend, so there's no rush for these guys. Just like you know. There's no reason to – you kind of knew when Carlos was scratched Thursday night, he most likely wasn't going to pitch again yeah. in 17 because there's three weeks left and what's – you know, why force that out there? But I think Alec Canton is an interesting guy to watch. And Zach Collins, for that matter, too. I heard yeah. a lot of good things about his plate discipline and just the way he developed calling the games and throwing the ball behind the plate. Yeah, and even his offensive performance at A was really impressive right. and a welcome sight considering the contact was kind of below Winston-Salem. One other thing, like Buddy Bell and talking to him recently, he said that you know guys like Jimenez and Collins just make teams better. Like They made Birmingham better yeah. once they got there, and those are the kind of guys that usually make a difference in the long run. Same type of question off the, uh, the well, it's more than 25 at the roster right now, obviously, in September, but are there is there a player or two that has impressed you more than you thought they would is there a guy who maybe you go other than Avi Garcia you start to think oh, maybe he does factor into a couple of years down the road or maybe he is a guy that can fill out the rest of this piece or the rest of this rebuild for a year or two personally from what I've heard you've had a great year in pre and post games. thank so you I, I gotta mention you, you in yeah there. we've worked very hard yeah but I mean Giolito is an obvious one sure. I think because of the struggles he admittedly went through and it's interesting when I talked to him at the beginning of this week he talked about a mental click yeah. at some point this year where he just kind of let go of you're the, you were the number one pitching prospect. You got to do this and got to do that and just competed and had fun. And it's and his mechanics are better and he's you know his delivery is more repeatable. You know, I think uh, Yomer Sanchez, people I've talked to, love the way he's played third base. Yeah. And I think he's a, a great piece moving forward because he can play so many different positions. I think a healthy Tyler Saladino, who's not had a good year, hasn't been obviously, either. and he hasn't been healthy. I think he's a guy, you saw what he could do last year Absolutely. when he was healthy. Is he going to play every day? Maybe not, but he's a guy that can give you 250, 300 at-bats. So, you know, I, I think there's some, some interesting pieces up here already. And, you know, uh, Juan Manaya has done a nice job in a, in a, you know, closes role for a team that doesn't have a lot of closing situations. And he's probably, you know, I, I think Juan Manaya, an interesting scenario, I think if he was healthy out of spring training, 
Anthony Swarzak probably never breaks camp with the team. Interesting. Manaya probably breaks camp as the last reliever. So I think he's a guy they also like. So, there, you know, there's going to be some interesting – I don't think it's going to be the, the scope of the trades in this past offseason with Chris Sale and Adam Eaton. Right. And then eventually in season with Jose Quintana and the three-player deal sending – you know, going to New York. But there should be some interesting decisions that have to be made during this offseason. He's Scott Merkin, MLB.com. Always welcome here on the show. Merk, thanks so much. Anytime, Connor. All right, that's Scott Merkin. We're going to take a break real quick here. And when we come back, we will give kudos to the Kannapolis Intimidators. They sure deserve it. We'll tell you why next. Keep it right here. WLS AM 890. Welcome back to the last couple of minutes of White Sox Weekly this afternoon. Sox fans, for the first time ever, the Chicago White Sox are offering a limited edition cancer ribbon White Sox cap. A portion of every cap sold will aid Chicago White Sox charities and Rush University Medical Center in supporting cancer research. Caps are available at the park, at the Chicago Sports Depot, and online for a limited time. Visit your ChicagoSportsDepot.com. That's ChicagoSportsDepot.com to purchase your hat today. Boy, packed show, and in case you missed any of it, I want to encourage you to head over to the website, WLSAM.com slash White Sox, and you can download all the interviews in podcast form so you can listen to them wherever and whenever you'd like. For instance, if you wanted to listen to the Michael Kopech interview on repeat for, I don't know, seven or eight hours, you could do it. You could do it if you wanted to. Head over to the website, download the podcast. All of our interviews are available there. Uh, every show, all season long, right there, WLSAM.com slash White Sox. Today, we talked with Michael Kopech. We talked with Lucas Giolito. We talked with Kevin Smith, White Sox catcher. And we just got done talking with Scott Merkin of MLB.com. Uh, obviously, tough news for the White Sox yesterday in finding out that Carlos Rodon is going to be shut down for the season. And in case you missed a portion of the conversation earlier today, I can tell you this much. The first and foremost piece of business for Carlos, as he talked last night and as Renteria, Ricky Renteria talked today, seems to be that you know, they're going to figure out what's wrong first. I know a lot of you have asked, um, whether it be on Twitter or whether it be through the phone calls on the postgame show, when will Carlos be back and is this going to be a full spring training and you know can he throw 200 innings, that kind of thing. I think, by and large, they got to find out answers first. He'll be reevaluated, Rodon said, on Monday. Hopefully we've got more answers then. I'm sure the White Sox will talk about it some. And, of course, you'll hear all that news here on White Sox Weekly. Uh, one more for you on the way home. Sox fans, you win with Papa John's Pizza all season long. The day after the Sox win, you get 50% off your entire online order of regular menu-priced items only at PapaJohns.com when you use the promo code SOXWIN. It's validating, valid at participating Papa John's locations. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. You hear the music, which means we got to run. Pre-game show starts in 10 minutes. Our thanks to Don Kleppen, our producer, and Dave Zaslowski. Thanks to our guests, too, Michael Kopech, Lucas Giolito, Kevin Smith, and Scott Merkin of MLB.com. I'm Connor McKnight. White Sox pre-game show starts in 10, so keep it right here. You've got WLSAM 890.